I'm going to tell you all a story about a family, specifically a pair of brothers who really caused some problems in Kentucky in the late 1700s. Now, as with some of the other episodes I've done that go back in time this far, some of the details might be a little off. Um, I did look at multiple sources, and some of the dates and locations varied a little bit, but most of the facts should be just about accurate. This is the story of the Harp Brothers. So we are talking about the horrible Harp Brothers today. Um, They were pretty bad guys. Some say they were the first known serial killers in the United States. And there were two two of them. So Micaiah was born in 1768 and Wiley was born in 1770. They were two years apart. Now, here's the deal. Some sources say that they may actually have been first cousins, not brothers. Um, But historically, they're always referred to as the Harp brothers. So that's how I'm going to continue referring to them. Just know that they may have actually been first cousins. Um, They were originally from North Carolina, and they make their way to Kentucky a little later in the story. But first, I want to talk about living conditions in the mid to late 1700s. I know you guys already know this, but I just want to say it as a reminder. So, first of all, we were not healthy, you know? We didn't know much about hygiene or medicine or germs. Disease was rampant. Everybody had dysentery. Everybody. Um, Food was kind of scarce. There were hungry wild animals just roaming around all over the place. Work was hard. It was a lot of physical labor. Plus, you never knew when you might have a run-in with Native Americans who were really unhappy about getting kicked off their land. So, already not a super safe time to be alive, and that's without even taking into account these robbers who were starting to appear more and more because of these communities that were starting to pop up. Now, To further set the stage here, I'll take you to the Wilderness Trail. This is a big, long network of trails first developed by Native Americans and then later used by pioneers. And there were two main paths, one from the Upper Ohio Valley through Kentucky and the Cumberland Gap into Georgia, and the other through the Holston Valley into Tennessee. There is a more in-depth explanation of the Wilderness Trail. You can look at um, danielboontrail.com if you're curious to see, you know, the exact layout. But once more pioneers started using these trails to get from A to B, some folks realized there was money to be made robbing people passing along the trail. Enter the Harp Brothers. So they grew up and people started calling them Big Harp and Little Harp. So Micaiah was Big Harp, the older brother or cousin, and Wiley was Little Harp. Now, it's believed that their father was a loyalist during the Revolutionary War, meaning he sided with Great Britain. And so when the colonists won the war, um, it's believed that the Harp family was treated pretty badly. Uh, the neighbors were pretty unhappy with them. They weren't, they didn't get along great with everybody. Um, they were kind of outcasts because of that. And so that may have fueled the fire that caused the Hart brothers to be so angry and so violent. 
1795, the Hart brothers traveled to Beaver Creek near Knoxville, Tennessee. Little Wiley Harp married a girl named Sally Rice. Uh, she was a preacher's daughter. And Big Micaiah Harp had two wives, Susan and Betsy Roberts, who I'm guessing were sisters. And according to Wikipedia, the brothers actually, quote, shared Betsy Roberts. So there's that. Now, in Beaver Creek, the Hart brothers spent their time gambling, fixing horse races, setting stuff on fire, and stealing livestock. And somehow, they managed to avoid spending much time in jail, even after they killed their first victim that we know of. Uh, We don't know his first name. We know his last name was Johnson. And we don't know what Mr. Johnson did to make the Hart brothers so mad but we do know what they did to dispose of him after they killed him. Trigger warning if you don't like the gory details, skip ahead 30 seconds now. So, they cut open this guy's abdomen and they filled the cavity with rocks and then they tossed him into the Holstein River. And apparently this was like standard practice for making a body sink back in the day, but in this case it actually didn't work and he surfaced after a couple days, and apparently a lot of people saw it, which is really a bummer. But, uh, yeah, so that was their first known victim that we know of, and then things really went haywire for the Hart brothers in 1798 and 1799, so a few years later, they got really busy. Uh, And this would have made them, like, in their late 20s, early 30s. Now, they knew they were in hot water in Tennessee, and so that's when they decided to move up to Kentucky via the Wilderness Trail. In December of 1798, we know that they stopped at John Ferris's tavern in Crab Orchard, and they met a guy named Stephen Langford, who was from Virginia, and they ended up staying together, and then they traveled together. But this was a mistake on Langford's part because his body was found hidden behind a log on December 14th of that year. This time, the law caught up with the Harps and they were thrown in jail in Stanford. When they were caught, they were traveling with their wives, at least one of whom was pregnant at the time, and so they were all thrown in jail, the brothers and the three wives. So they all appeared in the Lincoln County Court of Quarter Sessions on January 4th, 1799, and their case was transferred to the district court in Danville. So on January 5th, they were all transferred to the Danville jail to await their day in court, which wasn't supposed to be until April. This lag between when they were transferred and their court date gave them every opportunity to escape, which they had already gained a reputation for doing successfully back in Tennessee. And the Danville jailer knew about this, and so he took extra precautions in the form of a bolt and two horse locks to chain the men's feet to the ground to keep them from escaping. Somehow, though, the Harps escaped anyway on March 16th. Um, they didn't take their wives with them, though. And so the babies, because at least one of them was pregnant, uh, and we know that they had babies that were born in jail. Now, on April 15th, my birthday, the three wives were acquitted of the murder charges after a five-day trial. 
And this part is actually kind of sweet. They told the court that they were glad their husbands were gone and they just wanted to go back to Knoxville and start their lives with a clean slate. And so the citizens of Danville really responded to this and they donated clothing and money and even a horse for the wives' trip back to Tennessee. But uh, about 30 miles away from Danville, the wives changed course and headed to Henderson, where they had planned to meet back up with the brothers before they escaped. So it was all a ploy. The plan the whole time was to get acquitted, pull at the people's heartstrings, and then meet back up with their husbands. Now, the governor announced that there would be a $300 reward for the capture of the Harp brothers, and he announced that on April 22nd. And right around the time that that announcement was made, the Harps went on a murder spree. People just started disappearing right and left. Uh, travelers weren't making it to their destinations. And you could actually tell where the Harps were by tracking the geographic patterns of the murders from Kentucky to southern Illinois to eastern Tennessee and then back to Kentucky. And it's estimated that they killed around 20 people just in a year's time. So these few years when the Hart brothers were on this reign of terror, it was really bad. And what they would do is they would pretend to be Methodist ministers. And so I think they would like stop people as they were crossing paths and say, hey, you know, would you like us to bless your journey for you and like say a prayer for you? So they would wait till these people kind of relaxed with them and then they would rob them and murder them. And this next part is really horrible, and it involves a crime against a child. So if you don't want to hear about that, go ahead and press skip now, about 30 seconds. So Big Harp was worried about one of their kids. It was either his own child or it was his brother's child. Either way, he was really worried because this it was an infant, and the kid was crying and carrying on, and he was like, this kid is going to get us caught. And so he murdered this infant, which was either his nephew or his own son. And he did it in a really brutal way that I'm not going to get into, but I'm just telling you that so that you understand what an awful guy this was that we're dealing with here. So fast forward to August 1799. The Hart brothers stopped to rest at this cabin about five miles from what's now Dixon. And it was a cabin owned by a guy named Moses DeGaulle. But Moses wasn't home. His wife was. And his wife said, sure, Harp Brothers, come on in and stay a while. Uh, There was one other guy that was already staying there. And his name was Major William Love. And poor Major Love, apparently he was a snorer. Apparently he snored pretty loudly. And the Harp Brothers really couldn't sleep over his snoring. And so they killed him. And obviously they couldn't have a witness, so they also killed Mrs. DeGaulle. And then they set the cabin on fire, and they left. And Mr. DeGaulle got home, I think the next, maybe that night or the next morning, and he was like, you know, they picked the wrong man to mess with. So he formed this armed posse, and they went looking for the harps, and they found them. 
uh, next morning, and they saw from a distance, they were like, wait a minute, these guys only have one horse between the two of them. And, you know, Big Harp just sounds like a real jerk, because not only did he murder that child, he also took off by himself on their only horse and left his younger brother there to fend for himself against this angry mob. So Big Harp is taken off on horse, Little Harp takes off on foot, and somehow they both manage to get away. And so the mob kept searching, and they ended up finding the Harp's campsite and the wife of Little Wiley Harp. And she told the men that they had just missed Big Harp, that he'd rode into the camp and frantically left with his two wives. So one of the guys from the armed mob stayed with Little Harp's wife to kind of guard her, while the rest of them took off in pursuit of the older brother. When they caught up with the older Harp brother, he just dropped his two wives off with the angry mob and kept going. And so the mob shot him in the leg and in the back, and Big Harp fell off his horse. And the story goes that when they approached him, he asked for water, and he he was obviously bleeding out at this point. And so the story goes that they took off his own boot, and they went nearby to some creek or something, and they filled up his boot with water and brought it to him, and they actually gave him water. Now, I'll read you a quote from Kevin McQueen's book, which I'll link to in the show notes, because this just explains what happens next really well. So, quote, Stigall drew a knife, declaring he would cut off his enemy's head. Then he pointed a gun at Harp's face. The dying outlaw, conscious of the threat, jerked his head from side to side, hoping to dodge the threatened bullet. Very well, said Stigall. I will not shoot you in the head, for I want to save it as a trophy. Then, aiming at his heart, he shot him in the left side. He did, in fact, chop off Big Harp's head after he shot him. And the area where he left the rest of his body is a site now known as Harp's Hill in Muhlenberg County. So next, there was... um, There were the seven guys that made up that angry mob, plus the three harp women, plus Big Harp's head in a sack. All together, they headed back to Dixon, where Stigall felt he should make an example of Big Harp. So he propped up the head on a pole, and he put it on display as a warning to any and all outlaws who may cross his path. And apparently there's still a little community around those parts called Harp's Head, which is just charmingly morbid so big micaiah harp's head was out on display meanwhile little harp was still at large and um he knew that he just needed to get as far away from that area as possible to stay out of trouble with them and so nobody found him until 1803 so several years later Except in 1803, he was going by the name of John Seton, and he was working as a member of Sam Mason's River Pirates, who wreaked havoc on the Mississippi River. So the whole Sam Mason pirate gang was captured that year in 1803, but they managed to escape before they went to trial. And so Little Harp was on the run, like, times two. 
he was a really wanted man at this point. Now, things get interesting here because fast forward a little while, there's another reward being offered. This time, there's a reward for the capture of Sam Mason, the leader of the pirate gang. And wouldn't you know it, two guys show up with Mason's head in a sack. Um, And these two guys were James May and John Sutton, a.k.a. Wiley Harp. While they were in the courtroom waiting to collect their prize money, another guy looked up at them and was like, whoa, wait a minute, I know those guys. He said, those are the two guys who robbed me recently at a tavern and murdered a friend of mine. So instead of collecting their prize money, they went straight to jail. And at this point, we're in Greenville, Mississippi, is where they're jailed. So now Little Harp, a.k.a. John Sutton, is in jail for murder and robbery, but not for any of the crimes associated with being part of the Mason Pirate Gang or the crimes he committed with his brother. Until rumors started spreading. And they did. Someone from Danville traveled over to Greenville and positively ID'd John Sutton as Wiley Harp. So he realized the jig was up. This is this is pretty bad for Wiley Harp. And so he and this James May guy, they tried to escape together. And they did get away, but very briefly. They were recaptured, and he finally went to trial, and he was found guilty on January 13th, 1804. I don't know exactly which crimes they tried him on, but he was sentenced to die on February 4th or maybe February 8th, um, along with James May, the guy he tried to escape with. And so they were both hanged in early February, and I guess it just makes sense at this point that an angry mob decapitated both of them and put their heads on poles and stuck one pole at each end of the little town. So now both Hart brothers had been decapitated and their heads put on display. In total, it's estimated that the Hart brothers killed somewhere between 39 and 50 people in the duration of their fairly short lives. 39 is the number we think Big Harp actually admitted to. You know, the thing about them that really unnerved people is that they weren't always killing for money. There wasn't a clear motive, right? So most people in that time period, if they were killing, they were killing out of necessity. You know, they were starving, they needed resources, whatever. These guys were just murdering people because they were angry and violent um, and had opportunities. So, so that really set them apart from other criminals at the time. Now, as for the three wives, they were all put on trial for being accomplices to murder, and they were sent to the Logan District Court in Russellville, they managed to tug at the heartstrings of the public again. And so there was public outcry. And they said, you know, you got to free these women. They were just wrapped up in their husband's lifestyle. And so they were found innocent, and they were let go. And now that both their husbands were dead, they decided to give up their lives of crime, Little Harp's wife went back to Tennessee, and Big Harp's two wives stayed in Logan County. And by all accounts, they really did uh, give up their lives of crime and, and, and never, 
never broke the law again, as far as we know. So that is the story of the horrible Harp Brothers. I hope you all enjoyed that. If I need to make a correction or you have a suggestion for a future episode, you can send an email to kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. Don't forget about the website, kyhistoryhaunts.com. There's also a Facebook and an Instagram, a Twitter, a Pinterest. I've got it all. Uh, Also, if you have a second, it would be really cool if you could go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a quick review. And I think that's all I've got. So thank you for listening and until next time.